Camden, a town where history and horses are on full display. That's not unlike other towns in the Palmetto State, but there's quite a bit that sets Camden apart. It's here that a person can find unique stories about early America. You see, Camden, a place set in the center of the state, has also found itself in the center of a distinct history, a history of horse racing, resilience, and revolution. Discover South Carolina presents The Palmetto Porch, a podcast featuring some of South Carolina's most charming towns and highlighting what makes them so special. I'm Devin Whitmire. All season long, I'll be traveling through the Palmetto State, interviewing locals who will share their own unique perspective on places to visit, foods to try, and insider travel tips. These towns may be small, but they are big on fun, food, and Southern hospitality. Carolina has been at the center of many conflicts throughout America's history. The Palmetto State was a flashpoint for the American Revolution in particular. And in Camden, when it comes to the American Revolution, most would agree there's one person to talk to, Ricky Good. She's the director of the Revolutionary War Visitor Center in Camden. Many people consider her to be one of the best museum curators in South Carolina. Ricky was kind enough to sit with me to share her knowledge. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for joining me on the Palmetto Porch on this beautiful porch at the Four Oaks Inn in Camden. It's so great to have you. Thank you. Love being here. I asked Ricky about what early Americans experienced in the lead up to the American Revolution and the impact on people in South Carolina. According to her, Life in early America wasn't easy, and South Carolina was full of people who had to navigate intense circumstances. I mean, of course, for the indigenous people, their disease that they've never known, wars that are happening, there's all of this new stuff coming. Then for Africans who've, you know, really been ripped away from everything they know and brought to a place they don't know anything about and kept in bondage and worked. And then even, as I mentioned earlier, the people who wanted to come, did they really want to come or did they have no choice? And by that, I don't mean that anyone forced them as they did the Africans, but things were so bad where they were at, like the French Huguenots. You know, things had been so bad and they had been persecuted so much that it's like, what choice do we have in order to make a better life? What was so pivotal about this area? Why are there so many battles and is it so concentrated here? The early battles during the American Revolution, most of them, not all of them, but most of them took place in New England and the middle colonies. By, I guess, 1780, 1779, 1780, it was a bit of a stalemate. The British controlled New York, but Washington's army was still there. They never gave up. A lot of people, especially royal governors and merchants, were telling the British, there are a lot of loyalists in the South. If you can take the South, we can either just cry for peace, give up New England. We don't want it anyway. Set the tone for South Carolina going into that time in history. Oh, ah. Uh. Complicated, complex, very wanting something, knowing that 
getting that uncertainty. That's a good word. And by that, I mean, from what I've read and people I've talked to, a lot of the people in South Carolina, a lot of the more wealthier elite people, they wanted more autonomy from Great Britain, but I don't think most of them necessarily wanted freedom from Great Britain. Their children were educated in London, in England. Their banks were in London. I mean, they were part of this one of what was probably the strongest empire at the time, and the mercantile system that they had was helping them. And then for a lot of the people who had just gotten here, the English crown had given them land and had given them seed, and they felt beholden in many ways. And for many of the more conservative voices in the patriot movement, they wanted things to change. They wanted more autonomy, but a lot of them really didn't want to break. Some of them did, and for Native Americans, the indigenous people, are you going to fight with the British when the British are promising you that they're going to curtail colonial incursions into your property? Or, or like the Catawba, are you going to maintain your alliance with people that you have been allied with for 60, 70 years? And it doesn't help that the Catawba and the Cherokee are traditional enemies. And then, of course, the enslaved people. The British offered a lot of incentives for enslaved people to join them and to support the crown. What were the patriots offering, really, other than further enslavement? How did that manifest itself in daily life? Civil war. Mm -hmm. Brutal. Mm -hmm. We talk about the American Civil War as brother against brother and family against family. The American Revolution in South Carolina was the exact same thing. There are records of people killing brothers-in-law. It doesn't matter. So you're married to my sister, I don't care. You're a loyalist, look what you've done. There were many battles within South Carolina, more than any other state in the Union, in fact. And one of those important skirmishes was the Battle of Camden. And Ricky says the fighting in Camden left a lasting impact on America's struggle for independence. August 16, 1780, that was the day of the battle. Prior to that, Charleston has fallen. The Patriots have just had one of their worst defeats of the American Revolution. An entire Continental Army had been taken prisoner by the British. The British have now heard that the Continental Army or Continental Congress is sending a second Continental Army. This one is composed of two units of Maryland Continentals, a smaller group of Delaware Continentals. And right now they're under the command of the Baron Handicap. There are also a group of Virginia militia and North Carolina militia that are coming in. The Virginia and North Carolina militia, some of them were experienced, but most of them, from what I can tell, were not. There is a story that when they were given bayonets, they didn't know what to do with them. And not only are you facing a very well-equipped, very good army, but at that time, they're facing General Cornwallis, who was aggressive, who was a great leader, and who knew they were coming, I guess is the best way to say it. I think it was General Stevens wrote to Governor Jefferson up in Virginia, think of it as bad as you can, it was worse. The battle itself was devastating and represented a low point in the war. America's chances of victory looked pretty bleak. 
The tide would turn, though, at places like King's Mountain and Cowpens, where militiamen took up the cause and drove the British out of the Carolinas. And as they say, the rest is history. I'm fascinated at how Ricky and other skilled curators bring these stories to life. In a place like Camden, it's not enough to have history written by historians. Sometimes people need to see events as if they were living them. And today, during the digital age, that's especially vital. Sometimes you find new stuff or you get access to things that have been out there, like pensions for the Revolutionary War. There is a group that has spent a very long time to digitize this information. See, before you had to go somewhere. You know, you'd have to look at microfilm. You'd have to go to Washington. Not everyone can do that. Just about everyone, if they don't have a fast internet connection, they can go to the library. Just about everyone can get to these digital resources, these maps, these records, all of these primary sources, and they can read what the people actually said. So you're not reading what an historian wrote about what they read. You're reading what the people wrote. And I think that is incredibly important to understand what they were really thinking. It's really hard to pull out those individual stories. And yet, in a way, those individual stories is what makes up the whole. Mm -hmm. And it's also the one that is most interesting. Balancing such complex narratives with the small town charm of a place like Camden can be challenging. But as Ricky says, there's something for everyone, even if they aren't interested in history. So we're still, we like to say, a small town, but we have a lot of wonderful amenities. Again, we have great shops, great restaurants. We really try and maintain the historic atmosphere here in Camden with our neighborhoods. Do you think that translates to visitors when they come to Camden? I think that it does. And of course, there's sort of this thing between people who come here for horses, we've got so much for that, and people who come here for history, people who come here for shopping, people who come here just to go to a great restaurant. I mean, there are a lot of things that people can come here for. And mm -hmm. they may come here and they may go downtown and go antiquing and never see a horse and never even know what the Battle of Camden is, and they're still going to have a good time. And the opposite is true. We have tour groups that come in, they come to us, they go to Historic Camden, they drive to the Battle of Camden and have a rollicking good time, but they're not shopping. So I think Camden is very fortunate in that we do have a diverse, if you will, visitor base. And we have some great places for people to stay, great places for them to go eat, and great stories that we can tell them. Once a visitor has had their fill of history, they can find a wealth of activities throughout Camden. And it's here visitors can step into one of its more exhilarating events. The Carolina Cup is a celebration of an old South Carolina sport, steeplechase racing. Dr. Tom Mulligan has a lot of personal history with the Carolina Cup. I spoke with him about its role in the traditions and culture around Camden. Well, hello. Welcome to The Porch. So excited to have you here with me today. Super excited to be with you. Can you explain your involvement in equine racing over the years? 
My family has been hosting a party around the Carolina Cup since 1977. I serve on the board of the Carolina Cup Racing Association, and we now serve as the primary sponsor for the race every year through my law firm. So we've continued the tradition started by our parents and something we look forward to every year. It's a wonderful time. The Rite of Spring. The Rite of Spring. In other words, the Carolina Cup is how people in Camden welcome the new season. And those people can enjoy the experience, rain or shine. I mean, I never, ever have been to the Cup without having a wonderful time. And it's funny, people say, well, what are you going to do if it rains? Well, you're going to get wet. I mean, it's either a beautiful sunny day or it's a liquid sunshine. So we've done the Carolina Cup together for a lot of years and I've raised our family going out there try to keep them close and friends for the longest time. And all of my memories of going to the cup and the social event. And I understand there are horses out there some years too, for some of the folks that are coming for just the party. It's a wonderful time, tremendous fellowship, a lot of love. This past year, I think under our tent, we had a little over 400 people, all very good friends and family and people from most every continent, except Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had so we've had folks from Africa and had senior officials from across Europe. We have folks that come up. I teach down in the Galapagos every year and have folks coming up from the university where I teach there and friends from Asia that join us. So it's a real opportunity to blend. I love that. So for our listeners, can you explain what is steeplechase racing and how is it different from other types of horse racing? It's amazing. These are tremendous athletes, both the horses and the jockeys. It's not just running around a flat track. It's a a very large oval track where they're running, they're jumping over the hedges, and it's very exciting. A lot, a lot lot of fun. That's great. How has this sport evolved over the years, would you say? South Carolina benefited because of the weather. I think evidently there's some tracks up in the Northeast that are doing things to try to keep some of their horses in the Northeast. So while the sport has changed as things evolve around the country here in, in Camden, We have the National Museum for Steeplechase. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The museum has a separate charter. They've done a wonderful job chronicling, you know, not just our race, but the history of racing. It's a wonderful addition to our community to be able to host that. And I know it's especially important to people. So we're glad to be able to host that in this community and recognize both horse and jockey. After talking about steeplechase racing, I wanted to test Dr. Mulligan's knowledge of Camden with a little trivia game. So we're going to start off first question. True or false? Camden is the oldest inland city in South Carolina. (laughs) It is, and I'll fight you if you said no. (laughs) (laughs) Truly a unique experience during the Christmas season. This nearby town holds a parade where you can see Santa riding a John Deere tractor. What is it? Yeah, it's where you're going to go get the best food in the world. That's Boykin. That's Boykin. That's right. The Boykin Spaniels is Camden's, or it's South Carolina's state animal, right? It's a state dog bred right here. And then the last one, what state park outside of Camden is called a hidden gem for kayakers? I think I might have been the one that said that. (laughs) (laughs) The Goodall State Park. Correct. It's Goodall. Places like Goodall State Park are a stone's throw from downtown Camden. Visitors can make the town a base of operations as they explore the area. And if they want to know where to go for good food, Dr. Mulligan has it covered. 
We've got wonderful restaurants. So let me tell you this, and I mean this, and you're like, oh, Tom, come on. The best food that you will ever eat, but the best food that I eat is at the Boykin Mill Pond Steakhouse. I would rather eat at Boykin than anywhere. It's beautiful. It's an idyllic setting overlooking that mill pond, and the food is great. The service is great. I like taking people to places where I can get some good home cooking. And the truth is, if they don't cook collards, I'm probably not going to like it. I don't apologize for being Southern. And collard greens are, it's an art form. We have chain restaurants, and occasionally I'll go. But here we have food that's locally owned and run that just get a little different experience there than with some of the chain restaurants. We're excited about our community. We have great people. We have great restaurants. Some of the best in the world right here. What might you want to leave us with when it comes to Camden, when it comes to South Carolina or the steeplechase? We are the geographic center of the state and also the center of the universe. So if you've not been here, (laughs) come to South Carolina, come to Camden, South Carolina, and enjoy a wonderful weekend or week or as long as you'd like to stay. We'd love to have you. Camden is a place where history is mixed together with Southern identity. It keeps its traditions refined, but accessible for people from all walks of life. I'm happy to have experienced it and learned about it through the voices of the people who call it home. For this episode of The Palmetto Porch, thank you to our guests, Ricky Good and Tom Mulligan. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend or leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us get the word out. And to find out more about Camden or any of the towns featured on our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The Palmetto Porch is produced by Discover South Carolina in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Ashton Carter, Michael Aquino, and Kim Wong. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. We'll see you next time on the Palmetto Porch. Mm-hmm.